0: Welcome to On The Move, the global mobility podcast brought to you by Vialto Partners. Vialto is your ally in mobility, tax and immigration solutions. We spark meaningful growth for your business and your people. At Vialto, we push the boundaries of global mobility, powering positive outcomes in business and beyond. Our teams partner closely with you, providing extensive expertise and seamless tech-enabled experiences so you can mobilize a dynamic global workforce and unlock potential.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the second immigration episode of our On The Move podcast at Vialto Partners. Today, we're focusing on M&A activity and we're dealing with a lot of questions right now from various clients on the immigration implications of M&A activity. And whether that's restructuring, spin-offs, acquisitions, or mergers. By way of introduction, my name is Sharon Kundi. I've got over 25 years of mobility experience, and I look after the immigration practice globally at Vialto Partners. Before we go any further, I'd like the team to introduce themselves. I'll start with you, Angelo.
2: I'm Angelo Paparelli, and I'm pleased to be on this podcast. Uh, I practice immigration law out of Los Angeles, and have been doing so for several decades. Uh, I began to do my M&A work in the late 80s and have done it consistently since then, having published and uh, lectured to uh, lawyers and business groups uh, pretty consistently throughout the years.
1: Thank you, Angelo. Really glad to have you. Over to Hugo.
3: Yeah, thanks. Uh, Thanks, Sharon. Uh, So I'm uh, Hugo Feijer. I'm uh, based in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, um, and uh, focused on uh, European immigration. Uh, So really happy to be here today to talk from that perspective Um, and um, not looking back as far as Angelo, unfortunately, but uh, I do have about 15 years experience in these kind of matters, including, obviously, the mergers and acquisitions from an immigration uh, perspective.
1: Thanks, Hugo. And finally, over to Raj. Great, thanks Sharon. So um, my name's Raj Mann. I'm a director
4: at Vialto Partners. I'm based in the London office and I lead our global immigration advisory services. Uh, Similar to Hugo, I've got about 15 years experience in corporate immigration. I'm also currently doing a PhD um, in migration policy. I'm really looking forward to this discussion today. I think there's been a lot of discussion, particularly this year with our clients around M&A. So looking forward to discussing more.
1: Thanks, Raj. Now, to get into the nitty-gritty that I think our listeners will be interested in, and I'll start with you, Angelo. When going through any restructuring activity like this, what are the particular immigration implications that our clients and other organizations should think about? And can you give us some examples from your experience as well? That would be fantastic to hear from you.
2: Well, there are a number of things that should be considered. First, the structure of the deal. Will it be an asset acquisition? Will it be a stock acquisition? Uh, Will it be some combination? what will the uh, organization look like after the closing will the closing be a series of steps or one fell swoop Um, those are all key considerations Uh, another is to assess the population of employees whose employment will transfer from one entity to another after the closing Um, oftentimes key employees are the reason that the deal is going forward and uh, there may be some chagrin on the part of persons in the executive suite if they discover that a critically important employee cannot transfer employment authorization straight away. So there may be an interruption in the right to work. Another factor is the issue of compliance. The target company has a history. And has that history been one of scrupulous immigration compliance or are there um problems under the surface that need to be explored during the due diligence phase and if if there are such problems can they be offloaded or resolved before the closing those are some of the factors that are considered
3: yeah I, I, that actually just intrigued me so sorry angelo but i found it super interesting because if i look at the different jurisdictions for example when you look at those uh, like particular issues that might come up as a roadblock for certain individuals and maybe for a key employee then then uh, just because these sort of immigration considerations, I, 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 could, I have often seen that then these immigration considerations become a substantive part of the process in the run-up to the to to, to certain M and As. Is that something that you've always seen? I'm just I'm I'm just wondering. Is that
2: has it always been the case? Well, it's often been the case, and sometimes it's clear before the closing that an employee will not be able to transfer quickly, and and and, and there may be situations where. Uh, The the target entity will remain in existence and not go away so that it can enter into a service agreement with with the acquiring entity uh, such that that key employee or group of employees can continue to render services that will benefit the deal. Mm
1: -hmm. And now just a question for all of you. Have you got an example of uh, how this has gone wrong? It would be nice to understand not only what clients need to do, but what does good look like? And also, what does it look like when things go wrong?
3: I have once had a situation where literally, I think it was two weeks before closing and, and the closing was going to happen on the 1st of January, right? So it was in the in the run up to the to the festive season and they'd planned everything, but they hadn't thought of the people. It was just like a general people thing that I thought, well, everybody um, has the relevant work authorization, et cetera. And this was just, I think it was just for the Netherlands, uh, so the um, employment lawyers had reviewed all aspects but they didn't look at look at the uh, immigration aspect and turned out that there are there are a few employees who did not have Dutch nationality or the relevant permits etc for themselves so they had to have sponsorship and in practice this meant then that I think it was in this case an entity that was spinning off and then being acquired by a different entity and then we were in um, basically involved as an advisor for each of those steps from beginning until the end and we saw that basically we had to ensure that the new entity that had spun off got the right accreditations from an immigration perspective to be able to sponsor the the employees and that took nine months. So the whole thing got held up for nine months and we had literally days to basically get the, get the right people like people in the room to tell them this and to make make the right calls and uh, yeah that was a very difficult uh, process.
1: Yeah, I know that sounds familiar because we have a situation with one of our clients where they were expanding into a new location through acquisition. In order to, to keep the license to operate in that new location, they needed certain senior individuals to move there and get that new corporate entity substance. The delays because of the immigration process hadn't been planned and have actually had a really significant impact because that new entity wasn't able to operate without those key stakeholders.
2: From the US perspective, uh, I think that uh, the, the lesson here is that immigration should be brought in as a key issue to resolve as early as possible. Um, In in the United States, because a deal isn't closed until all conditions have been satisfied, we cannot ask for an advance ruling or an advisory opinion as to what, what will happen. And we must scurry at the time of uh, the closing to get everyone on board with work permission, with preservation of any residence efforts, residency efforts that have been undertaken. And it's not always easy. The government is more or less responsive, but uh, it's uh, all hands on deck situation.
4: Yeah, and I think I'm probably gonna say something uh, that most immigration (laughs) providers are gonna say, but having your immigration partner at the table as soon as possible, is is always going to be sort of what good looks like for us um immigration can be such a stop start for for sort of the A process in terms of getting people into the right location and being able to start work so having these discussions with your immigration partner as soon as possible when p- potential A activity is on the horizon is certainly uh, what good looks like I would say the other thing in terms of a real um, win um, and, and, and sort of focus is looking at the policies as soon as possible, right, and as early as possible. And um, policy discussion post-pandemic, we've seen a real focus and refocus on it with with clients looking to sort of wanting to re-establish stability. When you're going through an M&A activity, you're essentially um, bringing together Two different cultures from two different organisations, and so understanding what those policies um, in the mobility space uh, are saying, how they align, how they may conflict, and understanding where those gaps are um, is really important because ultimately that will sort of speak to the experiences of both the employees at the existing organisation and the and the organisation that's being acquired. So again, I would say getting us at the table, get the immigration advisors at the table as soon as possible, and really, really starting to think about your, your mobility policies as soon as
2: possible. I, I might add that uh, um, just as before uh, the deal closes, it, there must be an intense focus. There must be an anticipation of what the post-integration um, circumstance will, will look like, because with immigration, there are um, software applications that are essential that may not harmonize with one with the other. Um, uh, there are um, a, a, a series of vendor relationships that, that need to be addressed. And what really is important is that the parties to the deal uh, partner with Qualified Immigration counsel who've gone through these situations and circumstances uh, regularly because uh, experience counts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So just a follow up question then, how do we help clients post deal? Because I know from my experience, there's quite often confusion around which sponsor license to use. And we you know, quite often have more than one legacy sponsor license. Also, what are the implications of quotas? Does the entity have enough of a majority shareholding to have sponsor rights? And those kind of consequences. Could you share insights of what clients should consider post deal?
4: Yeah, so I can jump in on, on that question. So I would say, in this current climate, and again, we spoke about this in, in our last podcast, with a number of territories around the world becoming increasingly protectionist, understanding who your global workforce is or, or, or is going to be post-deal is really important, particularly in territories where there are quotas. So understanding who's being sponsored by, by the company, who will need to be sponsored, who will need to switch sponsorship, and how that may potentially impact quotas is really important for ongoing sort of business continuity and ensuring people re- remain um, with the ability to, to work legally in any given country.
2: I'm sure there's a variation among governments of the world in terms of how they address this, but I can say that from a US perspective, M&A has been a consistent need to be addressed and the government has been slow to lay out uh, clear principles Uh, Fortunately, we have come to an understanding of, for example, the concept of immigration successorship and interest so that uh, to the degree someone seeks to uh, transfer without an interruption of employment authorization to another entity or to have the successor entity leverage the predecessor's immigration efforts toward supporting its personnel uh, can be critically important as well. What I found is that what you need to do is is go individual by individual visa category by visa category and assess eligibility criteria. And ideally that should all happen before the closing because it may be too late after the closing. And ultimately there's also the possibility that some workers will be let go and that there may be legislation in a particular country that restricts that uh, process or that, Creates additional costs that may not have been perceived. Oh, yeah. I
3: mean, I've, I've seen exactly the same thing in, in, in many different scenarios uh, be it a, a spin off, a takeover, anything. Like, some questions would come up, and and uh, sometimes um, uh, employers or contacts try to be a bit creative just to find any kind of solution just to keep people working, keep people on board. Uh, and obviously, make this process as smooth as possible for their key employees. But when the laws, the law, and the and the governments don't don't want to budge, then you're kind of stuck with it. And um, I've had many situations where we try to resolve things through government liaison. But I've I've seen Angelo, exactly the 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 same thing, where sort of government policy kind of lags behind what we see in practice, and businesses kind kind of getting frustrated by that. Um, and and that really is then it, at least puts a bit more pressure on uh, on the planning side of things and to really make sure that there's there's decent mapping and 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 a very clear plan of the steps to take to make sure things go smoothly.
1: Just to close, any final comments from any of you in terms of what clients should really keep at the top of their minds? Yeah,
4: so I would say, um, and I think this has been sort of a running theme for me throughout this podcast, is just on that talent mapping, understanding your global workforce point. It really goes to some a lot of our previous discussions that we've had around sort of the, the ongoing fight for talent globally um, and looking for cost efficiencies, understanding who your global workforce is, is and is going to be is, is really important when you're looking at m a activity. The other sort of area that I would say in terms of sort of post deal discussions is again just Working, ensuring that you have a really close relationship um with your immigration advisor in that government liaison space. Um, as we've mentioned, there's a lot of there's a lot of activity at the moment. Um, In the sort of global immigration landscape with this sort of increasing move to protectionism greater sort of hybrid working new visa routes being announced so just having that close partnership with your immigration advisory partner. um, Particularly in that government liaison space is again something that should be an ongoing discussion um, post post deal and and something that should be kept top of mind for sure.
2: One thing I would suggest is that corporate counsel that is structuring the deal should be introduced to immigration counsel as early as possible. Uh, Sometimes there are tweaks to the nature of the deal uh, that can be uh, accomplished without any increase in liability, but with tremendous advantage uh, from an immigration perspective and the transferability of visas. Uh, The other thing is that there may be an anticipation that perhaps everything won't go well and that the acquiring company may want to uh, uh, reduce the purchase price retroactively. So there may be contractual clawback provisions if key employees cannot transfer on schedule as, as intended. Uh, these are some of the things that, that we can advise on, but we, we best partner with the corporate counsel that are structuring the deal so that they understand. Often, corporate counsel don't think about immigration. Uh, I, I don't want to... Uh, Blaspheme a, a, a category of lawyer, but the uh, uh, the the point is that sometimes immigration is a belated afterthought. Yeah, I mean, I've,
3: I've seen that a few times as well, and and I well, I definitely agree with what you've both said. And to me, there are always two sides uh, that, that have to be looked at. So on on, on the one hand, really that sort corporate side, asking the right questions again, talent mapping and all of that, super important, and as soon as possible at the very very start to to make sure that we can get the the right information and the right provisions in and the and the guardrails where needed, then on the other hand also some really practical things just like communication to employees, like that can that's also a, a role that's within sort of the the remit of our usual day-to-day contacts within HR or global mobility teams and supporting with that and and actually maybe getting some people on calls with us can really help just to um, I don't know allay their fears and their worries and 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 make sure that the process feels as smooth as it should be.
1: So on behalf of Raj, Angelo, Hugo and myself, thanks for joining us. We hope you found the episode useful and that we've given you some things to think about in the M&A space. We'd love to continue these conversations to you. So it'd be great if you could subscribe to On The Move. And if there is a topic you'd like us to consider covering in the future, then do get in touch with us through our website at fialto.com. Before we go, I'm really excited to tell you about a new podcast series we'll be launching in September called Celebrities on the Move, and it'll be hosted by Shai Diane and Rekha Simpson, also from the Vialto Immigration Practice. They'll be talking about a well-known celebrity each month, and that could be an actor, an athlete, maybe a business leader, and they'll look at the immigration issues that impact their global lives, both personally and professionally. You don't want to miss the first one. I'm not gonna give too much away, but it is uh, a certain UK born and bred red-haired military man who now lives on the west coast of the US. Tune in and find out more in September. Until then, thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to On The Move, the global mobility podcast brought to you by Vialto Partners. For more information, please visit us at www.vialto.com. Vialto Partners and Vialto refers to the subsidiaries of CD&R, Galaxy UK Opco Limited, as well as the other members of the Vialto Partners global network. The information contained in this podcast is for general guidance on matters of interest only. Vialto is not responsible for any errors or omissions, or for the results obtained from use of this information.